Hey y'all, Twin here. I just wanted to interrupt really quickly to let you know that we actually recorded this prior to Behoff. And since then, the winners have been announced. So I wanted to give an extra big shout out and congratulations to all of our champions this year. The list of title holders was so incredibly diverse and groundbreaking. And that is thanks to all of the hard work and dedication being put into our community by our BIPOC creators. And I have to throw out an extra sparkly tassel twirl to our new reigning Miss Exotic World, Lulu La Duchessa of the Mohawk Nation. Sweetheart, I am so proud of you and I am so glad to meet you and I cannot wait to see you again. Much love. Welcome into Spicier Than Therapy, the podcast where we discuss polyamory, ethical non-monogamy, communication, neurodiversity, kink, and all of the things that we think go into making a healthy relationship. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us once again on Spicier Than Therapy. Hopefully you have been keeping up with all of the different episodes. And if not, and if this is your first episode, well then welcome in. And if this is your first episode, Twin, let's tell them what are we going to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, my love. Try to take over the interwebs. It really is kind of our favorite thing to do, and we're pretty successful at it most of the time. But today is a slightly different style and flavor of episode than we've done before, and I will let Twin explain why tonight is a bit different. Yeah, so tonight is actually sort of a double feature. You won't be able to see this, dear podcast listener, but we are actually hosting a live Q&A on my TikTok as well while we film this. So we'll be getting questions throughout the episode from my TikTok people in my chat, as well as from people in Discord. It's going to be a little... We're trying something new. We're, we're, we're experimenting. We're going to see how things go. Uh, and it's uh, it's all exciting. It's a lot of good times and lots of fun. You might say that we're spicing things up yeah. a bit here on Spicier Than Therapy. But the main topic that we are going to be discussing tonight is burlesque. So if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you know we talk a lot about polyamory and neurodiversity, a little bit about kink, and then relationships. And one of the things that we have alluded to often is that Twin is a professional burlesque performer. And we get so many questions in our day-to-day -day lives from peers, friends, TikTok followers, people on the Discord. And I even got one from a coworker who asked, what is burlesque? And I feel like this is a perfect time to really explain what that is from the professional herself. So take it away, Twin. <laughs> Thank you, dear. So yeah, burlesque um, is first and foremost, and I have to say this because literally it came up in conversation today while I was at my doctor's appointment. Burlesque is not what you may have seen in the movie. If you don't know which one I'm talking about, it was a early 20 aughts movie with Cher and Christina Aguilera. A lot of burlesque performers take issue with that movie for a variety of reasons. I myself actually kind of enjoyed it just because it was garbage. 
but it was delicious, beautiful, and incredibly talented, you know, singing. And it was just good campy garbage. And I loved it. So it was like trash panda garbage. Like it was garbage, but it was still cute and adorable and enjoyable. Mostly. I mean, there's definitely some points where like as a performer, uh, as a burlesque performer, I was going, mm. and as a writer, I'm just going, eh, the timeline. And as somebody who's been a backstage badger and a stage producer and a stage kitten and all this, it was a lot of like, mm. we'll see. But overall, yes, the music was great, Rebecca. Good point. Yeah, the music was fantastic because it's Cher and Christina, like it was going to be anything else. But anyway, I digress. Burlesque is not like you've seen in the movies. It is a form of sex work that, and, and a lot of people will take issue with me saying that they can blow it up their ass. I don't care. It is a form of sex work in which we, the ecthesiasts, which is just a fancy word for stripper, go on stage to lighting and music and hopefully both of those things at the same time and they align beautifully and we go out and we tantalize the crowd or we horrify them or we make them cry or we make them feel any kind of emotion that we want them to feel through the art of taking off our clothing which we don't always do sometimes like myself what I've done is put on clothing, which is called a reverse tease. There's, there are so many ways you can do burlesque, and that's why I love it. It is an ever-changing, ever-evolving art form that is just delightful. A lot of people think of Dita Von Teese. Betty Page was a huge influence on early burlesque. Uh, she was one of the racier kind of models, even though she had never actually performed burlesque. She was just a model and did a lot of teasing, but she was never actually a burlesque performer. Tempest Storm, rest in peace. Uh, Lottie Ellington is currently taking care of Tony Elling, who is another one of our incredible icons of burlesque. Judith Stein was the Canadian or is the Canadian beaver. And I love her. Shout out to Auntie Judy. Love you bunches, babe. Uh, and, and there's just, there's, there's so many ways to do burlesque. There's no real wrong way to do burlesque, but it all really comes down to stripping. So that's actually a great point. Like before you and I met, my understanding of burlesque was only about, um, you know, like uh, Marilyn Monroe and Dita Von Teese. I didn't really have a lot of great knowledge. Is that more of what burlesque is or is that where it came from? So just a quick point of correction. Marilyn Monroe is not actually, was never a burlesque performer. She's associated with it a lot because of her iconic style, right? But she was never actually a burlesque performer. Um, oh God, I squirreled. Repeat the question. <laughs> so the question was more about, you know, for people that don't have any exposure, we wouldn't have known that Marilyn Monroe wasn't into burlesque. So I was saying, you know, for someone whose ex only exposure to burlesque is Marilyn Monroe and Dita Von Teese, is that burlesque or is that where kind of burlesque came from? Did it grow out of that? Where? How did that evolve? Okay, so burlesque as an art form really 
there's been some version of it throughout history. Let's be real. Like there have always been people taking off their clothes for entertainment, but burlesque as we know it today really came from the early 1900s. And I am not going to get too much into the actual history of burlesque here. I'm going to do a very quick glossing over. If you guys want a thorough history of burlesque, particularly one that includes POC, because unfortunately a lot of burlesque histories don't, I would suggest you go to Lottie Ellington, L-O-T-T-I-E Ellington, like Duke Ellington, and Bella Sin, S-I-N, both of them do a lot of work talking about POC within the history of burlesque, and they go more in depth into burlesque. So with all of that said, I'm like I said, I'm going to do a quick, quick glossing over, but the current form of burlesque that we understand that's popularized by people like Dita Von Teese is what's known now as classic burlesque and that came around through early 1900s with like physic filled follies and stuff like that and it went through all of the same ebbs and flows as all you know anything raunchy or risque within the 19th within the 20th century it was prohibited it was made dirty it was you know frowned on and there was just this wide you know evolution of burlesque and it really picked up, you know, kind of fell off throughout the 30s, 40s kind of range. And then with the onset of the Tempest Storms, the Lily St. Sears, the Betty Page, that sort of thing, it came back a little bit more into fashion from like the 50s and into the 60s a little bit. And then it really took off in the 70s and 80s. And then late 80s, it kind of died off again. But then then, oh, then, then you had people like Catherine Delish come around in the early 90s. I want to say 1994, because the Burlesque Hall of Fame really picked up. And that was because a lot of the girls who had been performing in the 50s, 60s, and 70s wanted to get all their stuff together. They wanted to keep in touch with everybody. You know, as they were aging, they wanted to create this memory for um, all these performers. And so they created the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And it was initially just a somebody who was, I forget who, y'all forgive me. Um, there was just someone that was gathering a collection of all of these memorabilia. And then it became what it is now, or it started to become what it is now, which is this actual museum in Las Vegas. By the time you guys are listening to this on our podcast, the Burlesque Hall of Fame Weekender will actually be about a week or so away. It always happens in about June, early June in Las Vegas. And that is a fundraiser specifically for the Burlesque Hall of Fame. And so, oh my gosh. And so, yeah, that that is really where you can see how far burlesque has evolved from what people think of as like the, that classic burlesque, because yes, there is entire swaths of categories within the Beehoff Weekender that focus on classic burlesque, 
But um, the 90s and the 2000s, there was the rise of what we know as neo-burlesque, which was sort of the oddball acts. That's where you get the ones that are performing to like Metallica and taking off schoolgirl costumes instead of, you know, the corsets and gloves. It's where you get um, like the aerial acts that I'm partial to. That's where you get uh, the reverse strip where you put on clothing. And so... I, I just, oh, it, it, if you've never seen burlesque, you are in for a treat, no matter what kind of show you go to, because it's so wide and so diverse and so varied. You just, you just can't go wrong. Excellent. Excellent background. Thank you for taking us through some of that. Now, I know some of the people that are listening at home are probably going to be surprised that Ariel is involved in burlesque. And I know you said you're partial to Ariel, but aerial burlesque go ahead and take us through some of that and kind of explain what that is to people so aerial burlesque um or aerialesque as i like to call it um are where people incorporate aerial acts like lyra silks i have an aerial cube act um trapeze they do all sorts of things while also stripping and it's awesome QCG Productions out of Memphis have several performers that do lots of aerial burlesque. That's where I burst my aerial cube act that I took to the Minneapolis Burlesque Festival. There's Tony Tabasco, who is an amazing one. Ginger Snaps. Ginger La Snaps is another one. I mean, there's there's so many different people incorporating the aerial arts into their burlesque and it's incredible and it's so intense and I love it. Excellent. So going through all of that history and kind of defining what that looks like for us, thank you, by the way, what is kind of the current state of burlesque? Like you explained kind of classical burlesque and everything, and you've given some examples of neo burlesque, but what's like the current overall state of the burlesquing world, which is everywhere by the way this is something that i'm coming to learn the more and more that i spend time in the burlesque community through twin is that it's not only in some of the larger cities throughout the country it is everywhere big cities small towns this country other countries countries that are considered um almost second world countries do have some form of burlesque performances all throughout their country as well so this is where I'm, again, going to say some stuff that's probably going to get me into hot water with some folks in the burlesque community. Burlesque is kind of a mess right now. Uh, it has been for a hot minute. Whew. All right. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this without going at anybody specific. So burlesque right now is kind of a disaster. Because um, something that, you know, is a problem within most performing communities, right, is that the corporate gigs, the big events, the, you know, the money-making events only really want thin, white, pretty, burlesque women um, or femme presenting. They want classic burlesque, which is fine. 
Um, I love classic burlesque, but they very specifically only want the over-the-top dripping in rhinestones, very expensive looking uh, and existing acts. They, it, it's to get to become a truly professional performer, you almost exclusively have to be very thin, very white or white passing and have a ton of money to dump into your costuming because otherwise you're most likely not going to get booked. I just hate to say it, but that's what it is. Now, that said, within like the neo burlesque sphere, which are your dive bars, your local bars, your, you know, queer bars, your your gay bars, those are where you see a lot more variety. And that is what I love right now because burlesque has been getting this resurgence of no fuck you. We're here too. And I love that because that's what's bringing in the plus size bodies, the you know, trans bodies, the more like very pointedly like dark skinned individuals, you know, that's where you see a more diverse lineup are in these niche neo shows. Because again, like if you want to go work a corporate gig in Vegas, you almost always have to be a size two with huge um, bits. I forget we're having to like censor because we're also doing this the live. Um, you have to have big bits and a little tiny waist and you have to be thin, white passing, you know, it, it's just, it's hard. It was really hard out there to be, especially if you want to be what's considered like a successful burlesque performer. Yeah. And, and the, the state of burlesque, obviously I can only speak to it as an observer has been interesting to know. I will say that the New Orleans burlesque scene is amazing, right? Like I've only recently been introduced to this in the last few months, but as an observer, not as a performer, I am so heartened by the diversity in both act and people within the New Orleans scene. So I've actually met quite a few awesome people through Twin at some of these burlesque performances and shows, some of which she's been performing at, others of which she has just been attending and introducing me to all these people. And so it's great to see people from different backgrounds, people doing different styles of burlesque, people of different body styles, you know, all of these different people of color. We saw, you know, I, I do have to give uh, a shout out to Remy D, who is uh, one of Twin's friends that I met through her. And she has just some amazing performances. She has a peewee. Pee Wee Herman burlesque performance that is just so much fun to watch. But my favorite that I've seen her perform is she has this gunslinger act, which is just awesome. And so when you talk about the difference between classic burlesque and that neo burlesque, I've been exposed to so much new burlesque styles of performances. It's just great. Well, and see, here's the thing. Like a lot of people would even push and say that her gunslinger act might even be considered more classic. Because even though it's not like the big gown and the corset and everything else, it's still like that very typical like rhinestone, slow peel, reveal kind of thing. Okay, well then what about, because I'm just going to name drop some people that I've met through you that are amazing. 
there was one, the vivacious Miss Audacious. She has a pineapple act. She is a pineapple. And she is, you know, like doing all of these performances with hula hoops. I don't know what style that is, but it is so damned entertaining. Yeah, she definitely would fall. That act would definitely fall under neo burlesque. Yeah, because the neo burlesque is more of like the emphasis on props and extra skills, not just the slow burn tease. Which I must say, you are very good at the slow burn tease so hat off to you ma'am uh but also some of the new stuff is great as well thank you i love that yeah no there's so many varieties of burlesque out there like um nerdlesque is one that i am partial to that's where you see a lot of like the cosplay burlesque or coslesque i've heard it referred to as coslesque nerdlesque it's all the same I've had, I, I mean, like I, for instance, have a Zatanna act. I have a Jean Grey, Phoenix, Miss Marvel act. I have a Faith Lahane, and I'm wanting to put together one for ElfQuest. Again, shout out to them. I'm wanting to put another one together for that. Yeah, I mean, that's, and, and Fritz Krieg out of Atlanta has one specifically for Mad-Eye Moody. And then he has another one that's, toothless the dragon courting the light fury and oh my god they are both amazing okay i've got to see the mad eye moody because i've seen pictures of fritz i've never met fritz but i feel like they would do a phenomenal mad eye moody and that would just be so much fun to watch and don't forget i know you were mentioning all of your nerdlesque stuff which hats off to the nerd community but you also have and you haven't done an act around it yet but a brand new Daphne from Scooby-Doo costume, which I cannot wait to see you put to something together with that. Coming soon to a stage near you. Okay, so we've gone through some of this and like burlesque gets me excited. Having gone to all of these shows and seeing all of the different variety of people and acts that you'll see, it's so exciting. What are some of the acts that you've seen within the last couple of years? And I know the pandemic has probably put, you know, a little kibosh on some of that. But some of the ones that you've seen recently that you, as a burlesque performer, are very excited about. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, so, all right. So I'm going to say this. that I'm, I'm going to lead with the one that got me into burlesque. This is the act that made me decide. I'm going to do this. And I still remember I watched it on YouTube, you know, many, many moons ago. And it was Dirty Martini, who is a plus size performer out of New York. She's amazing. Um, and she is the one that has a, I forget the song. I want to say America the Beautiful. I'm probably wrong. It's been a long time since I actually watched this act. I just remember the way it made me feel. Um, but she has this act to whatever, you know, pro-America song. And again, keep in mind, this was like over a decade ago that I saw this video. And she comes out dressed as, I think, lady justice with the two scales and she it's this whole thing where she's like balancing the scales and there's money that's being thrown on the scales you know it's a very like a political it's obviously like a political statement piece and i loved it and what made me just go oh i want to do this was at the end she pulls a chain 
of American flags out of her ass. <laughs> and that was the moment I fell in love with burlesque and with dirty martini specifically. And I was just like, oh, I'm I need to do this. I have to do this. And so yeah, that was the one that started it all for me. And then from there, the ones that I love recently are like Medianoche, also out of New York. She has a beautiful new act. Um, I haven't seen the act yet, but I'm very excited to. It's this big, beautiful green gown that she hand did because she does all of her own costuming. She's incredible. She's very multi-talented. Holy shit. I want to be her when I grow up. Um, and I love that. And let's see what else is there. Anything from Frankie Fictitious. Love her to bits. I want to see her Welcome to the Jungle act so badly. Uh, Phoenix Ablaze out of San Diego or San Francisco. I can't remember. She's out of California. Um, she's one of the girls that I met in Minnesota at the Minneapolis Burlesque Festival. We got on like gangbusters and I love her. She just finished at the Asian American Burlesque Festival out of New York. <laughs> and she has an act where she pours MSG on herself, which was amazing. Wait, you have never told me that there's an Asian American burlesque festival. I feel like this was a missed opportunity. This is the first I'm hearing about this live while we're recording this podcast. I sent you videos and stuff from her Instagram where she was at the festival. Okay, well, I remember the performer, but I didn't realize it was an Asian American burlesque festival. That is awesome. We love the representation. Shout out to our Asian friends. So what you're telling me is you weren't paying attention. How very dude of me. Oh, well, anyway, let me think what else. What other, anything from Izani? They are incredible. Um, they're, that's Johnny and Isaiah Tillman, uh, or Johnny Nuriel and Isaiah Tillman. Excuse me, I forgot they have separate. They're, oh God, I can't get enough of those two. They are so sweet and they have incredible workshops. Love them to bits and back. Um, they can do no wrong in my book. And then there's who else? Oh, my friend Mecca out of Charlotte. She's beautiful and I love her. Um, Bella Sin, who I mentioned earlier, she's got the Ohio Burlesque Festival coming up. And she's another one that I just want to see perform because she has this beautiful act with these monstrous um, angel wings where she is Lucifer, the fallen angel. And I just, Oh God, I just want to see that act so badly just because I want to see those wings in person. Oh, I love her. And yeah, that's, that's all I can think of. Right. Oh, I mean, I could go on. Well, that's not all I could think of. I could just, I could go on and on and on and on forever in a day about all of the performers and acts that I want to see because there's so many beautiful people doing burlesque right now. And I just want to throw all the money at all the butts. That brings us to another topic, burlesque etiquette. I don't know if we want to cover that in this episode or if we wanted to do a separate episode, but one of the things you absolutely should do when you go see burlesque performances is throw money at butts. It's probably my second favorite part of the entire experience. And that actually does tie in. We can talk about that because that ties into something that Rebecca asked on TikTok, which was what goes on in festivals. So festivals um, vary from place to place and producer to producer, right? 
but typically what it is, it's just a bunch of show ponies get together for one weekend and there's classes that we can take that are sometimes open to the public checking uh checking around you see if there's any festivals going on and we perform for a weekend and sometimes there's competitions sometimes there's just you know like at the minneapolis burlesque festival there was two different venues and we got to i got to perform at what was lush i don't know what it is now um which had an incredible it was an incredible venue and then there was another one in minneapolis proper at an actual theater that was beautiful to watch and then there's like nola nerdlesque festival which i was at a couple of years ago that's where i met remy and fritz and that was at one location or no two different locations because that was at the always lounge and then the contemporary arts center i had to look at my poster to remember (laughs) Doing the same same thing. I know. Um, so it just kind of depends. Now, when you go to a festival as just an attendee, um, you just go and you get like a weekend of cream of the crop burlesque performances. Just, I mean, because they're so they're specifically cultivated, right? Like we uh, performers apply from across the country for these festivals. Um, I know there's a couple right now, the New York Burlesque Festival, and then one more that I can't remember off the top of my head. Their applications are open right now. Um, And I was looking at, I think it's Oregon. Yeah, Oregon and New York are both uh, open right now for applications, but they're in like September and October of this year. And I probably won't be able to go just because finances. So I was like, "Mm, that would have been fun. But, and there's, there's always something. And so as an attendee, if you're going to these festivals, you just go and you have a cream of the crop weekend of shows, typically one to two a night, um, sometimes three, depending on the size of the event. And it is just glorious. Oh, it is beautiful. Just this parade of show ponies doing their thing, doing what they love. And you can throw all of the money. Burlesque shows are typically the only place where I will say you can ball up the money. And that's because you're typically in an audience, you know, seated further away from the stage and balling it up is the only way to get it across five rows of heads. So that at a show you can do. Don't do that at a club, please. For the love of God, do not ball up your money when you go to a spicy dancer club. If I see you doing it, I will kick you in the face with my heel. I have seen her do it too. So It will absolutely happen. But actually, that leads us to another good question that we have gotten on Discord before. What is the difference between burlesque and stripping? So I get paid better as a stripper. There you go. That's what it is. That's that's the biggest difference. As a burlesque performer, I will not make a fraction of what I make as a dancer, stripper. The there's a lot more emotional and mental work that goes into being a spicy dancer or stripper you know it's a lot more labor intensive as far as you are interacting with clients you are hustling you are putting in that time with people on in a way that i don't as a burlesque performer now that's not at all to say that burlesque is not time 
and energy intensive. It very much is. I mean, I've been working on costuming because I've been, you know, grounded recently, thanks to this thing, my little heart monitor that is going to be my partner for two weeks as of after we film or record. So because I have been grounded medically, I've been working on costuming and you can ask Tier, I have been putting in 10, 12 hours a day of just hand be straight. Yeah. Of just hand beading and rhinestoning and sewing and piecing and parting and gluing and stitching and, you know, and, and building up these costumes. So that way when I'm not grounded, I can go out and do the thing. And that's because I have time to do it. Not everybody does. The sheer amount of effort, time <laughs> and work that goes into creating you know, your own costume is, is still just mind blowing to me. We are recording this podcast right now in a room that is 12% office and 1,478% craft room. Like literally there are about 150 spools of different colored thread directly behind me and about 15 bins worth of material, lingerie, rhinestones, beads, things I have no idea what they do, scraps of other types of fabric. I have learned so much about crafting because burlesque performers generally, typically, make their own costuming, correct? So that depends on the performer. Um, I do because I love crafting. Um, a lot of performers, if they can afford it, again, this this goes back to you know the, the cost, right? A lot of performers will outsource and they'll buy their costuming or they'll do like I was doing and still to this day do where I just buy like base pieces from creators like Minouche and then you can rhinestone them yourself. And it's a lot more financially feasible that way, but it's not always the most like time effective to do that. And shout out to Masochist on the TikTok Live, who is typing, as we're saying this, you should have seen how much craft stuff she got rid of prior to moving. I don't know that I want to see that, because there's at least, if I had to count, there's probably at least one and a half bedrooms worth of craft stuff spread throughout this house right now. Yeah, there was like four boxes, four, four or five boxes of just yarn that I gifted uh, a girlfriend of mine that I worked with. And that's not counting the like three boxes that I'm, I can see right here that are full of um, things that are going to be donated. Don't open that closet. Yeah. Don't open the closet. Jesus Christ. Because you know, like most crafters, I hoard my supplies because what about when I need them in three years? You know, you never know when you're going to need them. And it is perfectly responsible to hold on to the same craft supplies for four years. So one of the things that I think people may be interested in is how you go about creating an act. Because there's so many different types of burlesque acts from that slow burn to something a bit more comical to something like aerialist, like you were talking about. So what's your process when you're creating an act? And, you know, what is your favorite piece of burlesque, you know, prop or costuming or fan or whatever? 
Oh, okay. So how I go about putting together an act can vary from act to act to act. Sometimes the costumes dictate. I just I start putting together a costume just on the coloring that I like. And then it just sort of happens. I'll find like a song that'll fit with it. Sometimes I will come up like, like I'm currently working on two different acts because of the songs. Like I heard the song. I have a message that I want to convey with that song. And now I just have to bring together the actual physical parts, like the costuming together to match these songs. Probably my favorite one that I have right now, my favorite act that I do, it's been my most requested so far, is my chicken act that was mentioned on the TikTok shot a second ago. That one was a total happenstance. I was rehearsing. This was back in 2019. I was rehearsing with the rest of the cast of QCG Productions. We were just like wrapping up for the night and we were just kind of sitting around, vibing, chilling, talking, you know, shooting shit. And one of the girls was rehearsing. Barbie Cured was rehearsing her act. And I remember thinking, hearing the song and going, oh, I love that artist. It's Ivy Levin. I love her. She's amazing. She has this song called Biscuit. And up to this point, I didn't have an act for the show that we were preparing for. I had planned to do something. And for whatever reason, it just kind of fell through. And I wasn't able to put together that act. And so we were sort of scrambling Because on top of that, somebody else had fallen out and wasn't able to do the show. And so we we were scrambling to find something. And so we're listening to Ivy Levin. And I was like, oh, she has this act called Biscuit. And it's called Kiss My Biscuit. And this is right around the time, um, some of you may remember, of the great debate between Popeyes and Chick-fil-A on who had better biscuits. And so... I was like, oh my God, what if you had an act where you were like fighting Chick-fil-A versus the Popeye's biscuit, blah, blah, blah. And it just took off from there. Within 10 minutes, I had an entire act planned because I just thought of this dumb meme thing, you know, meme-worthy thing from the internet. And so now my most requested act is my chicken biscuit act where I come out in a giant chicken suit and I bust Popeye's biscuits out of bag. I always carry a bag. I need to get another one and rhinestone that fucker. And I carry a rhinestone bag of Popeye's biscuits out and I throw them at people and I eat them. And that one, even I know how I want to level up the costuming on it. It would be ridiculous and stupid and totally worth it. And I love it. Um, and that is my, what has become, what has become known as my bigot chicken act because I strip out of the chicken suit and I'm wearing a shirt that says fuck bigot chicken. So we love it. It's a good pride act. I love that. And this is one of those acts I haven't seen in person yet. You've told me about it. Maskis just told me about it. Coco's told me about it, but I haven't actually experienced it myself. So I cannot wait. But really kind of tying all of this in together, because I know we're getting close to time. What does burlesque mean to you as a person and as a performer? 
so for me, and this is something that I had talked to my therapist again, shout out to Rachel Jack in Memphis. Go look her up. She's amazing. For me, burlesque is about that catharsis of being on stage and working out my aggression, my passion, my silliness, whatever mood I'm really harnessing for that act. Um, It is about taking ownership of my body. Um, You know, as a woman in America right now, my body is political. And so being on stage and showing off what I want to show off and revealing what I want to reveal and, you know, doing that at my whim is so powerful for me. And it really is a kind of release, um, especially as a show pony who admittedly needs external validation. And I'm okay with that because I understand and acknowledge that I need the external validation without pretending that I don't like, I, I'm not one of those that's going to sit around and be, Oh no, I don't, I don't need it. It's fine. Or shame myself for needing it. I know I need it and that's okay because I get the healthy validation from it. It's not, I'm not letting it dictate my life. Um, I want that sort of like, yeah, you're awesome because I know I am, but it's still nice to hear it. So I love going on stage and being able to show up, show out and show off and get that sort of powerful release from being up there. And I just, I love it so much. It's like, you know, it's like when a, when an artist or a painter sees their artwork up on a wall in a museum, it's the same thing for me. It's that same sort of pride for me. So that's why, you know, as we mentioned in an earlier podcast with me being kind of down in the dumps lately, because I can't. And so for those of you who, you know, were listening to our earlier podcast about like mental health and stuff. And when I was talking about, you know, kind of feeling down a little, you know, heavy hearted, it's because I don't have this outlet now. I don't have this way to sort of connect with people. I don't have this um, catharsis because I've been medically grounded (laughs) for a while, um, which is really hard on me. Uh, but you know, it is what it is. And like I said, like I mentioned, I'm going to be, I've been refocusing on like just working on my costuming and putting together acts and things like that, taking back what control I can have. So I look forward to be back in, I look forward to being able to get back on stage desperately. And I look forward to that as well. Talking to you, seeing you, watching you craft, it is absolutely evident how much joy and how much passion you have, not only for burlesque, but for performing in general. And even when I first met you, always so active, always so extravagant and out there and extroverted, I know where your passions are. I can see how much this means to you. And I want to thank you specifically on this podcast episode today for sharing that passion with us, sharing that joy with us, 
sharing what burlesque means to you so that hopefully other people can experience it and get to see how exciting it really is. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I I got started in burlesque because I loved pinup, right? I, I saw the old images of Betty Page and Lily St. Cyr, you know, and I was like, oh, that's beautiful. And then I went to Dita Von Teese and everybody else. And I just, I want other people to feel as powerful and as strong as I do, you know, whether they're on stage or walking through Walmart. And burlesque has been such an important part of finding that strength for me. So I would really, really, really encourage anybody, you know, that quick, quick, quick story time. But I just remember when I did my aerial cube act for the first time at rail garden in Memphis, I was watching through, you know, Instagram stories later on. And I remember hearing on somebody's Instagram story, you know, background noise from this other table nearby of a woman going, Oh, I want to do that. And a man immediately just, no, you can't do that. You're too old. You're too blah, blah, blah to do that. And I was so taken aback. Like this was like 24, you know, the next day I'm watching these and I hear this and I'm so taken aback because I'm going, how dare you tell this person that they're too, what have you to do this? Like, yes, I'm doing aerial and it's hard. It takes training and work and commitment, but there's no reason that you can't do this. You know, there's, there's, there's absolutely none. If you are out there, Right now, listening to this, listening to my TikTok, and you want to get on stage and shake what your mama gave you, do it. Oh my God, do it if you have a chance. It is so much fun and it is so freeing in a way that for me, nothing else will ever be. And if you have the opportunity, I wholeheartedly encourage you to at least try it. And that is a wonderful wonderful point to go out on again thank you for sharing all of this with us i hope anybody who's listening to this podcast goes out and looks up any type of burlesque performance whether it's historical or classic or neo literally so much fun get involved with your community 100 and i will make sure that we list um the performers as well as the festivals that I've mentioned, um, we will make sure that those are in the show notes so that you guys can see exactly who I'm talking about. And for those of you in our chat right now, stick around and I will make sure that I drop tags and names for everybody here. And then I will also make sure that I put them up in our Discord channel. Yep, because we love all of our people that regularly interact with us. All that being said, I will have us go ahead and do our traditional sign-off. All right, my love. So as always, you guys, remember to be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Give yourself grace, love, patience. And as always, go out and do some dope shit. Bye.